Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. We welcome you back to Daybreak Devotions on this Tuesday and the Tuesday of, I guess we're calling this uh, the road to Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, that's good. Write that down. The road to Pentecost. And a lot going on, and we're trying to cipher it all out. But uh, I wanted to say this, though. Just listening to Sergeant Carter, you know, Sergeant Carter lives at my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we've added to the flock. Yeah. And I was thinking about uh, just, you know, nobody cares, but I thought I'd share it. Has he got all them ducks in a row? Well, he's there's two ducks. There's now three turkeys. And we've added three additional chickens. The only thing you're missing is a partridge in a pear tree. Well, we don't have a goose. We've uh, got a duck, a duck, but no, no goose. goose. Hmm. Maybe my goose got cooked. <laughs> that was foul. <laughs> <laughs> I had to just let everybody know that Friday's coming. <laughs> Actually, before I got on the uh, you know the bird the bird talk, I was thinking that we should remind everybody that tomorrow's Wednesday, which we'll have Wednesday's word of the week, mm-hmm. and Friday we will return to Friday Funday. Oh, the people that have have missed Friday Funday for the last couple of weeks, rest assured, folks, your waiting will not be in vain. Yeah, there's there's more of these jokes where those came from. <laughs> All right. Well, we are uh, we're we're kind of walking with Jesus and the disciples through this. Now it's a fifty day period from resurrection to Pentecost, and we're not going to cover all that obviously in four or five days this week. But we're going to touch on the major points that we have. And actually, we were going over this list before uh, we started. I actually wrote down five kind of points where Jesus is connecting with the disciples in different ways. Now. I don't know how much we'll get through that today. We'll try to cover a little bit today, tomorrow. We'll have Thursday. And then Friday, whew, we'll see. But uh, anyway, we ended up yesterday, we were talking out of Acts chapter 1, and particularly verse 3 is a primary text, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And we talked about the infallible proofs the tokens, the criteria of certainty, and how, according to Webster and that 1828 dictionary, mm-hmm. you were giving Sir Thomas a little tough time on that, or was that uh, Deacon Dean? Uh, no, you've got it flip-flopped there. Oh, Sir Thomas was giving Sir you guys Thomas a tough time. Sir Thomas was giving us a hard time because, because you I, don't have one. I said I didn't have one, and oh. he was like, how, how is that even possible? And I mean, I, I referenced the Webster's 1828. I just can't say that I have one on my bookshelf. Well, you know, these this day and age, people don't have the books on their shelves anymore. They got them on their devices. That's true. And but it is pretty quick to look it up on the device. It is. I like to use my my interlinear, and I'll I'll pull a lot of definitions that way and stuff. But there is, to his point, there is a lot of value in getting the now, old English definition. Now you're reminding me of Thelma Lou and Barney. Why is that? Thelma Lou said, "Oh, Barney, you're always throwing your education in my face." Oh goodness. <laughs> Well, anyway, I was saying, according to Webster, the word infallible, uh, he says it means entirely exempt from liability to mistake, and it is applied to persons. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that's a very, 
at least an interesting way. I'm not going to say it's dogmatic theology, but it's an interesting way to view the infallible proofs. It's as if Jesus was establishing the proofs by his interactions with the people. And I like that because that's what he was doing all the time. We know who he is who he said he is because of what he did with the people and because of what he's still doing with people today. And so we ended that saying basically the persons are the infallible proofs. Mm -hmm. And through uh, Acts 1, verse 3 through 8, we kind of established that there are three things that we'll see Jesus doing in the course of these 40 days. He's proving his resurrection, proving that. He's promising, and, and I guess you could say he's sort of reestablishing or reaffirming the promises that the, the, the Spirit's going to come, that the Father will fulfill all the things that he had said, and then he is powering up these disciples. He's getting them ready because now they are about to launch out into, man, the most important thing they have ever done. I mean, Jesus has died, he was buried, and he rose again, and they are getting ready to tell the world about it. And, you know, i just be honest with you. There's something about studying this that kind of is, uh, is sort of a kick in the pants, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, because how many days can we kind of float through our life and not get stirred up about telling the world? Now, I want to balance that out. Let me say this and see your thoughts. But I want to balance that out with a little bit of fairness because we've talked recently about how we live in a society that is very much a reached people. Mm-hmm. And people, they don't – I mean, in general – they're either, yeah, I understand, I, I believe in Jesus too, or they don't care, you know, because our society is so full of Jesus, and I'm going to put quotations around that. There's churches on every corner. Hey, on the surface, that's a great thing. I mean, praise God for churches, right, P- for gatherings of believers. But we take it for granted, yes. and society takes it for granted. And you can walk out in society today, and you you got this little – you got this um, – I don't know the right uh, phraseology here, not catch-22. Let's call it a quagmire. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word either. But we can walk into a place like the Starbucks, right? Or I don't want to just pick on Starbucks, but we can walk into a place of business, and there's people that clearly, they, they at least on the outside, don't look like they're followers of Christ. And we can try to be kind and loving toward them and try to build a relationship and witness to them. That is the right way. But on the other side, we've all seen the people that stand on the street corner with the Bible yelling at everybody driving by about basically turn or burn. Yes. And I know all of them aren't saying that exactly, and certainly most of them mean well, but it's almost like there's these – the world sees them as weirdos, and it mm-hmm. does a lot of damage to when you start talking about Jesus in this society. Yeah, because it's not weird for the same reason that, that the – not the original, but the first century church was weird. They were weird because their lifestyle was so countercultural – um, I mean, what you're you're putting your faith that this man has has resurrected from the dead, dude? That's weird. So, but it it didn't have the same negative connotation like what we have. I think to the point that that you were uh, addressing about us being a reach people group. One thing that is vastly different from us than that first century church is, especially in our region of the country, it's going to be very hard to speak with somebody and it literally be the very first time that they've heard the name of Jesus mentioned to where it's like, oh, wow, this story is so brand new to us. So it's almost like our witness really has to be the newness of, oh, wow, I've never seen somebody that is actually claiming the name of Jesus that actually lives like you're living. Mm-hmm. like Because we are so overpopulated with people that are Christians in name only and 
don't actually reflect any of the attributes of Christ. So our telling the good news is to literally be Jesus to people and use our speech to confirm what our life and our actions should also be displaying as well. Light of the world and salt of the earth. Yes. How do we apply that when we walk into a place of business or with coworkers or, or, or neighbors who are not followers of Jesus and may be very deeply invested in, in very wrong things? Mm-hmm. And we're not walking in, and I'm not knocking this, okay, but I just want to say we're not walking into that area where they're at with our, you know, Christ has risen T-shirt or our WWJD bracelets. You know, we're actually walking in there, and don't get me wrong what I'm about to say. You'll understand. We walk in just kind of looking like a normal average person, mm-hmm. but we're, we we try to connect with them. So how would we go about doing that? I mean, I think that's a fair question to ask. What yep. if I've got five minutes with a person? Because we need to retrain ourselves in this. I know I'm speaking a lot for myself right now because I am. I've said it many times. I'm I'm more of a because let me let me put it this way. I am a relater, so when I get into a conversation with you, I can get locked in. You could be a perfect stranger, but if something brings us into conversation and we actually engage, now I'm engaged. Right. And you're going to get my full attention. But in general, when I walk into a room full of strangers, I'm just there to do whatever I came to do and get out. But I got to retrain myself that when I have say say I got two minutes, say I got 120 seconds with this person behind the register, I don't know them, but they give the appearance that they're probably not a follower of Jesus. I, their spirit's not bearing witness with my spirit. What can I do in that two minutes that's not cliche? Mm-hmm. That's not gonna cause them to roll their eyes, whether literally or metaphorically. Oh, great. It's one of those guys. Yeah, and just try to get me out of there. Mm-hmm. What could I do? Now, one thing I think that comes to mind is sometimes you may only have two minutes, but if I've only got two minutes but I know that I could have two minutes again a couple days later, well, that changes the 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 playing field a little bit, right? So I got two minutes maybe just to be kind and just to you know call them by name and thank them for their help, right? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's it. And maybe the next time I come in, Maybe I want to say something that brings Christ into the conversation, very maybe very briefly. And I know we're kind of getting off track here, but I'm looking for some help. So what what are we going to say? What are we going to say? I got two minutes with this guy, and I want to bring something of a witness into it. What could I say? I, mean, I put you on the spot there. You sure did. Tell I me mean, what to do. You just you just lay that <laughs> right out there. It, listening ears want to know. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that you don't do is you don't browbeat them with you. Do you know if you die today that you go to heaven? Yep. Strike that off. Just take that off. That, Be- if you if you if you haven't had at least a half hour with them, you probably don't want to bring that up. Yeah, because I think one of the things that has so damaged our society is we've converted everybody. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, what person is going to look at you and say, "Nope, I'm pretty content to split hell wide open." Now there are some facetious people out there that'll say it just because they do despise yeah. you asking that. But by and large, well, of course, yeah, I, I want to go to heaven. So that that's a moot point, and what that does is that brings the branding of you know quote unquote one of those guys. But I think we have also lost the value of a simple smile and a genuine, "Hey, how are you today? Thank you so much." Because look at our culture and our society; that's foreign. That is that is a lost art of just being a genuinely caring and compassionate person. Well, I thought of something. All right. And not to cut you off, I know you were going somewhere, but I was just sitting here thinking, even when you said, you know, the power of just a simple, it made me think, 
How about a simple but genuine, hey, God bless you. Yes. Thank you for that. And and not in the religious vernacular of, hey, Lord bless you. Yeah. But but genuinely. Or the next, maybe a next, next level would be, now now there's going to be some commitment they have to do to this one, but you say, man, I appreciate, appreciate your, let's say they do something like, so we had an experience at Taco Bell for lunch yesterday. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you walk in, the guy says, yeah, we did go to Taco Bell. Just letting that out there. It's a rare <laughs> thing. But anyway, and we survived to tell about it. But we went into Taco Bell, and the guy behind the register, as soon as I walk up, you know, we, we kind of walk over there, and he's like, hey, I want to tell you we got pizza today. It's just on Monday, but we got pizza. And he goes through the whole spiel about how, you know, I, I sometimes if I don't tell people that, and they order tacos, and then they find out we have pizza, they're like, why don't you tell me? So at that point, I just – I just said, well, hey, man, I appreciate it. I don't remember exactly what I said, but, hey, you're doing a good job. It was kind of one of those things, right? And let's say that happens again, and I'm thinking about this, or I go and I see that guy again, right? Maybe next time I say, hey, man, I just want you to know, in that scenario, say, I say, hey, I appreciate your help today. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying God will bless you today. Now, you're going to need to pray for him. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, we can't just do this stuff in with vain words, but even that opens the door a little bit to, hey, here was a guy that's talking about praying. That was weird. And he, I, he like, seems sincere. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about how odd of a thing that is. I mean, you talk about leaving an impact in the name of Jesus. That doesn't happen. I mean, because as a culture, by and large, our society, we are get in, get out. Fast food, uh, quick service, self-checkout, boom, 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 boom. And... You, as the employee, are not customer service. You're just an obstacle of me getting done what I need to get done so that I can get out of here. So to see a customer that actually pauses long enough to speak a word of blessing, don't discount the value that the Lord can do in that because, again, we're not living in the good old U.S. of A. of the 1940s where everybody and their brother was friendly. We live in a very selfish, very self-centered culture and society where you're going to stick out like a sore thumb just by being genuinely friendly and not cliche Southern hospitality friendly, but genuinely courteous. Bless your heart. Yes. Not, <laughs> now listen, if you're a bless your hearter, we're not throwing rocks at you, but, but I think we all understand that negative ability for that just to be just something you say and you don't really, you know, like, hey, how's your mom and Well, vain repetition. Yeah, you know, you don't really care how their mom's doing. You're just, that's just what your mama taught you to say as you was growing up. But if you genuinely, with good intention, what was the phrase that we used maybe last week or, or the week before? Uh, it's not just good intentions, but it's being intentional yep. about our good intentions. Intentionality. Yeah, we've got to have that in what we're doing. So when you go in and you say, hey, you know what, Lord, I'm coming into Food Line. I'm going to get my groceries. I literally want to be an ambassador and a lighthouse for you here. Don't discount just being friendly, cordial, and finding opportunities to speak genuine blessing. I think you see Jesus do that a lot, even with his disciples in some of these pop-up appearances. Peace unto you. He speaks blessing. He speaks confirmation into their lives, and it goes a long way. Well, that's... I had a scripture. This one's not from uh, the post-resurrection. Well, it is, but it's down the road a little bit. This is Paul in Colossians 3. Because I'm thinking about, to, to connect this to what we're talking about, we're talking about you know, the witness. And, and when we came in today, as I considered all the appearances of Jesus that we were going to mention, we, we'll probably have to get to them through the week, but 
they were having an impact on these disciples. They had an impact on them. And I had this quote from Adrian Rogers that I had uh, that I was trying to get down earlier, and I put it in, added it to my notes. But he said, "You may as well have told the sun not to shine as to have told these disciples not to witness about the risen Savior." And I think about, you know, where is that impact in our life? And I, I don't want to just, you know, as I said earlier, don't just want to be negative towards us. Let's just look at it. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that kind of zeal, why? On the one hand, these guys literally had saw Jesus taken, they knew he had been killed, and then they saw him alive. Okay, now if you'd have been standing there and saw that, you would have a lot of zeal. So let's, let's take a little bit of the pressure off of ourselves, but let's also understand that that same Jesus risen lives today and dwells in us by faith, Ephesians 2, and we are supposedly to have that same, that spirit of God that came at Pentecost in us and empowering us. So my point is, we have or should have that same zeal in us, but I think there's a preparation which has to happen every day. So if I'm going to go into the local business establishment and connect with somebody like that, I think something has to happen first thing early in my day. And Paul says in Colossians 3, he talks about having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And notice this, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free. He just took down all the walls of any kind of prejudicial judgment, Mm -hmm. okay? But Christ is all and in all. Here he goes. Put on. Now that, that, that statement, those two words, put on. That's in Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the new man. Here he says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Now, if I just stop right there, that right there is a pretty good spiritual uh, clothing or garment to put on in the mornings before we go out. And if we would be more intentional about that, I'm talking to myself now. I want to be clear. I'm talking to me. If I'm more intentional about that, then when I go into these places, I'm going to be exhibiting those things to folks. It's going to open up the opportunity for me to speak that blessing into their life or make a pledge of prayer into their life and and then, of course, follow through with that. And I might not be able to do it with them in that moment. But, you know, it wouldn't. we shouldn't be shocked if we did that kind of thing. There's going to be somebody along the way that would say, hey, I would be – could you do that now? Yeah. You know, well, you better be ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, 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 well, I wasn't really prepared for this right now. Uh, can I can I come back later? Probably going to cut it in that scenario. Nope. Then you just lost them. I thought of another thing you could do. We could hand them a, and I'm going to use this phrase, non-threatening um, card. I, I want to get away from using the word tract. I'm not against tracts, but but typically we, when we think of tracts, we we have seen our culture, especially especially in our part of the country, inundated with gospel tracts. If you died today, do you know where you would go? You know, uh, hell is for sinners. You know, Jesus yep. loves you. The four spiritual laws. And I'm just going to say, I think people generally don't pay attention to those. Yep. But I was thinking about those little invite cards that we have here at the church. And I know one of the brothers in our church wanted to get some more of those that he could just pass out very generically. That's a really yep. good idea and a really simple way to just add a layer of testimony and witness for Christ. It's very non-invasive, non-threatening, uh, but it, it could open the door. Yes, and it it leaves a, a lasting impression when you do that as well, because that person, as they go home and they're recounting their day, 
you know, they, you might have caught them in like a really busy time where it was just like, oh man, we are swamped with people right now. But you leave them, or you leave them something, and then they come back and they're checking their pockets later, and they pull it back out, and they're like, man, you know what? I remember that guy that came through. You know what? He was a breath of fresh air. Or I remember that lady, you know, I had had four people that were rude before they came through, and they were just so nice. Now, all of a sudden, they have a, a permanent printed word that they can keep with them to reinforce the things that you had uh, that you had just spoken about. Well, let's turn, the, turn that around a moment. Let's say, what if we go in and we get a jerk as a clerk? Ooh, a jerk as a clerk. Yeah, we got a clerk jerk. <laughs> and, and you go in and maybe the man or the woman who's waiting on you, they don't treat you kindly. Maybe because they've had a bad day or maybe because they are just a bitter person. And they treat you very unfairly, very unjustly. Now, I've heard this. I've heard Christian people say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I won't go back there. Yeah. I'll tell you this. They ever treat me like that again, they're going to get a piece of my mind. I'll call their manager. But what about this? What if I read on in Colossians 3? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, I'm going to confess something. I find it easier to practice that in the world than I do among other professing Christians. And I, I'm not proud of that. I'm confessing it to make the point. The point is, I think when we go out into the world, when we're dealing with people that aren't saved and don't profess to be saved, by all that is holy within us, we ought to be able to be gentle and patient with them. It's kind of like that thing of, if your children are acting up, you know, they're, they could be at the church or at a function or in my backyard and they're acting up, I'm going to be pretty patient with them. I'm going to be really probably patient and tolerant with a lot of stuff. Gentle to a fault, perhaps. Now, if it's my children, yep. now, especially when I was a younger, you know, a younger parent with younger children and I hadn't learned a lot of patience, I, I will not be as gentle. I will, I will act on them. And, and I think that's just natural, right? It's kind of the same way. Sure. We can be that way with each other. We kind of struggle sometimes. But when we go out in the world, say you get a jerk for a clerk, right? There's the answer. Forbear. Forgive. Even as Christ forgave you. And think about the impact that could have. So put to the list today, let's, let's title this list, How a Risen Savior Should Affect Our Witness. There you go. Or How the, how the Risen Savior Can Affect Our Witness in the World. So add to that list, Offering forgiveness when someone treats you unkindly. And think about this. That was completely impossible prior to the resurrection of Jesus. Offering forgiveness, there was no such thing. You know, you had laws about how many times you were supposed to forgive and after that. But this this whole thing of forgiveness, I mean, even, even the most religiously devout Jews didn't understand forgiveness because they weren't offered forgiveness in the Levitical worship. They were offered atonement appeasement. Jesus comes in and completely offers this whole new level of human existence where, look, what I've done has not only given you atonement, but it has absolved you of any wrong. Now, I expect you to act with one another in the same way. That only happens through a personal relationship and a regular walk with the risen Savior. Well, let me let me, let me me tie all this up uh, or tie it into... Uh one of the scenes where Jesus does appear post-resurrection, by finishing this little passage in Colossians 3, he says in verse 14, Above all these things put on charity, 
which is the bond of perfectness. And I think of a tangible way to do that would be something else that could go on our list, and that's leave a tip. If you go into a lot of these places now, whether it's Starbucks or fast food restaurants or wherever, they got that. Anyway, they'll have at the register, if you use with a card, they'll give you this option of leaving a tip. Yes. Well, when that first started happening, I was like, tip? I, I, they haven't done anything. I, and I would just skip it. But I, I have changed my approach on that. Like, I, I actually look for that now, and I try. Now, if it pops up and I'm paying 6 bucks for something and the tip options are like, Three dollars, four dollars, five dollars. <laughs> you know, I'm probably not doing fifty to seventy-five percent tips, but it'll always have that custom button. And I'll tell you, I've noticed this, and I don't. Maybe it's because I'm looking for it, but I feel like I've seen this. That once I started leaving those tips, I noticed the way that the person would respond at the register was with more of a, I don't know, like a a, a kindness, even in, in an appreciation in their tone. Hmm. And so I think it works. I think it matters to them because I would imagine, I don't know, if 20 people come through that line, how many of them leave a tip? I don't know. But I know that if we can do that, it might be a way to show that charity. And he goes on and says, now, here's the point, and we're out of time. How are we going to do this? How do I put this on? I like the next verses that say, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. These are guidelines. This is the effect the risen Savior should have on our hearts so that we can be a good witness in the world. And then he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And that just takes me back to Luke 24 and uh, Mark 16, where Jesus is going to meet these disciples, whether it's on the road to Emmaus or in that room where the eleven are gathered. And the Bible says that he opens up the scriptures to them. That's a critical part of what happens on the road to Pentecost. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. So stay with us. Have a blessed remainder of your day. We'll see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.